Uh, but before I get rolling, let's go ahead and, and do some prayer really quick. Father, I ask this morning that we would open our hearts, open our minds to what you have for us this morning. God, as we talk about the Holy Spirit and exactly who he is and what he does for us and uh, this morning, um, the power that he holds, God, I pray that we would just have just, just this, this open spirit about us this morning. God, we want to hear from you. In your name, amen. Amen. Well, today we're on our part two of a four-part series called The Holy Spirit. Uh, and in this, if, if you missed out, we do have uh, these all on a sermon recorded on our online at uh, therocknp.com so you guys can get catched up. Uh, but last week, we uh, built the foundation on which we're building this series. We talked about two terms for the Holy Spirit. You guys remember them? Two terms. One of them was Ruach. Everyone say Ruach. Ruach. Okay, remember, I, again, I talked about putting that phlegm at the end of it. Ruach. There we go. Okay. <laughs> Some of you sound like you're gurgling back there. It's good, but good job. Way to, way to keep it going. Uh, and there's another term called pneuma. Everyone say pneuma. Pneuma. Ruach is Hebrew. Pneuma is Greek. And those are two terms that aren't necessarily, we call them names for the Holy Spirit, but they're more like descriptions because during that time, the Greeks and Hebrews, uh, they couldn't explain who the Holy Spirit was. That uh, These two terms actually just mean a strong wind. When we have a, a storm front coming, we usually get the strong wind, right? We see the dark clouds, they're green, and we kind of batten down the hatches. And if you guys have trampolines, you have the strong wind, the wind lifts up the trampoline and chucks it down the block away, right? That usually what happens with strong wind. And the reason why they gave him these terms is not because they think the Holy Spirit is just wind. I mean, it, he is in essence that, you know, you can't see wind, but you can see the wind in the trees. Makes sense. Uh, but they gave him these two terms, pneuma and ruach, for the, the term of just power. What is powerful? Wind. That's the closest thing they can come to. And so last week we talked about how the Holy Spirit is in essence power. Very literally, the Holy Spirit is power. And with that as the foundation, uh, today we're going to talk about all sorts of things that the Holy Spirit does for us and through us. Last week we talked about how the Holy Spirit comforts and guides us in this life as a believer. Today we're going to talk about how the Holy Spirit gives you power during times in our life. Next week we're going to talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We're going to be looking at like the big gifts like, like tongues and prophecy and evangelism and all those things. We're going to cover all those bases and uh, dive in the depths with them. And then the last week we're actually going to go and debunk some myths about the Holy Spirit and myths about being filled with the Holy Spirit. And as we go through these, please know uh, I'm a very, uh, I believe, I, I preach from Scripture. I, I don't want to preach anything if I can't prove it with Scripture. And so whether uh, you come from one sect of church where the Holy Spirit was never talked about, or maybe you come from another sect of church where it's like nothing but the Holy Spirit, and they, maybe they did some weird things, and you're just wondering, like, is that us? Uh, I'm going to be going by Scripture, and I'm going to let you wrestle with where you you stand with the Holy Spirit. But I'm going to be talking about all the issues during this series. And so a lot of us, including myself, most of us can think of someone like this where it's, it's not exactly they have something and, and you don't. Have, there's, have there been a time? Let me start with this. Uh, have you guys noticed that seemed like they have more spiritual power than you do? Right? I know that sounds weird. I'm not talking like some weird, like, like juju, and there's like, oh my goodness, like they're totally psycho or anything like that. I'm talking about, it seems like when they pray, it's like the voice of God is coming out of their mouth. Like if you were God, you would answer that prayer because it was so eloquent and beautiful, right? Have you, you know someone like that? I mean, that's me. Or it's like, it's like they've got the Webster Bible knowledge in their head, and so for every problem you bring up, they bring out a scripture with that, right? It's like, where did you pull that out from? It, it seems like they have, have, have more uh, 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 spiritual 
power. It's, let me start with Dick's example, maybe. Maybe we can kind of understand where, where we're going with this morning. My wife got a job as a kindergarten teacher. We lived in Shatter, and we moved to Scott's Bluff. Uh, in the first couple of weeks, I didn't have a job, and uh, I didn't know what to do exactly. Uh, I, I dropped out of hi- uh, high school. I didn't drop out of high school. I dropped out of college, um, and I was just kind of sitting there, and I felt kind of lazy because my wife was going to work. I'd stay home, eat all the food, binge on Netflix, and finally, I'm like, I got to get a job right? This is like not good. And so I was getting to, trying to find jobs, and I didn't know what I wanted to do in life. And so, you know what? I need to find a filler job. Teens out there, uh, don't wait for the job. Get a job while you wait for the job, all right? Just a little good example from your back pocket. Um, but I got this filler job. I answered this ad on Facebook, and um, what I got was this contractor who was looking for some help doing concrete work. And the job was this lady wanted a new big driveway and needed to tear out the old one and lay in a new one. And anyone that has done concrete work, you know that's a lot easier said than done, right? And so I get up there, this guy, he was a contractor, sole contractor, a couple other guys answered the, the ad there, and uh, I got there, and I looked at this massive driveway, and I'm like, oh my goodness, like, this is not going to be fun. It's in, like, beginning of August, it's stinking hot, and I'm like, okay, well, let's start busting some concrete. And the, contract, the contractor says, oh, that's a good idea. Here's your sledgehammer. And I got this one sledgehammer, and I only noticed that there was just one sledgehammer. One sledgehammer. And he says, get to work. I'm like, Okay. Usually because I'm a naturally big guy, that's my job anyway. So I didn't argue. All right. I always get handled the, I get handed the sledgehammer. So I go and I start putting on my gloves, my work gloves, and I grab the sledgehammer and I start hacking away at the concrete. And about three hours later, I step up, I look up and I realize that I didn't get more than 10 feet in busting this concrete with the sledgehammer. My arms are hurting, my legs are shaking, I'm getting blisters on my hands even though I have gloves, and I'm thinking, I'm not getting anywhere with my effort. I am not getting anywhere with my effort. And so I step back, I look at the sledgehammer, and I hand off to two other guys. They looked at me like I was dumb, shook their heads, say, we're not gonna do that. And so I told the contractor, I said, hey, look, um, I'm gonna be here all day. And this is a massive project, and I, I look big, and I'm, I believe I'm strong, but this is not gonna work out. And so he's like, well, yeah, yeah, you see your point. Um, let me go make a call. A few minutes later, a buddy of his pulls up with this behemoth of a bobcat with an attachment on the front that busts concrete for you. Did you know that exists? Where was that when we started? That's what I wanted to know. Where was that when we started? Because by my own strength, I couldn't bust out the concrete. Now we have more power that helps us to do more work in a better and a more efficient way. Church, so many Christians today do the very same thing. So many Christians today do the very same. They they put on their gloves and and pick up the sledgehammer and say, I'm going to live for God. And by their own strength, they begin to tackle a massive task for God. And so they start hacking away, they strive and fight and battle, but when they look up, they don't get very far. Why? Because they're trying to live a Christian life by their own strength. They're trying to live a Christian life by their own strength, while the whole time, church, there is something far better with far greater power, and that's God's Holy Spirit that holds power. And that's what we're going to talk about today. The Holy Spirit, he has power, but power to do what? Why do we need more power? 
check this out. Those of us who believe in Jesus, the Bible says that the very same spirit, this is exciting, the very same spirit that rose Jesus from the grave, that spirit is available to you. Now, if I knew that, and I was going through this Christian life, picking the sledgehammer, got my gloves on, and I'm working away at the concrete, but if I know there's something far greater power, wouldn't it be a light bulb like, no, duh, I want that, right? The very same power that resided with Jesus as he walked this earth, you know, the miracles and the healings and all those great things that we read and we teach our kids in Sunday school. I mean, the, the flannel graph when we get Jesus multiplying food and raising Lazarus from the dead and making the lame walk and the blind see and the, the deaf talk. All those things was done because of God's spirit was in Jesus. And scripture says that because Jesus ascended, he sent a helper, come on church, he sent a helper down for us and that is power for us to live this life, not by our own strength, but by God's. And that's available to you. That's available to you. But so many Christians say, do you know what? I'm going to live for God. Let me get my gloves and let me get my sledgehammer. I'm going to start hacking away. Whole time God's saying, you know, what? I've got this big old bulldozer right here. It's yours if you want it. It's just right there. Keys are in it, gassed up. You're good to go but we keep hacking away and hacking away. And we look up and we say, Lord, well, I'm not getting far. I'm, I, I'm stuck. I feel like I'm not getting far in this life. And Jesus says, you know what? The bulldozer has been sitting here for you. You just have to ask for it. There's a verse in Acts. Jesus is having a conversation with his disciples before he leaves to heaven. And, uh, but before he goes, he gives them a few instructions. And I want to kind of start with this verse right here. Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 5, and then jump to verse 8. And it says, while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. But to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now, saying, he's saying, you know what, hold up, don't go from Jerusalem. In a few days, something awesome is going to happen. Verse 8, but you will receive power, underline that word, power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So what's happening is Jesus is telling them to stay here, but you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. The word baptized here is actually the Greek word for baptismo, which actually means to be fully immersed. You notice that when we baptize people, we completely dunk them underwater, right? Maybe you came from a, a tradition where they sprinkle or poured a little bit of uh, water on you, but here we we see this was word baptism, meaning baptismo, fully immersed. So we dunk you down. Now, if you're a really big sinner, we hold you down for a little bit longer until we see bubbles. And then we'll, I'm just kidding. We don't do that. <laughs> That'd be really mean. But, but that's what fully immersed means to go fully under, completely covered, 100% from head to toe, covered. And what Jesus is saying, he's saying, stay here because the Holy Spirit is going to come and you are going to be fully immersed, fully filled with the Holy Spirit. But not only is that going to happen, when you're fully immersed with the Holy Spirit, you'll actually receive what? Power. You'll receive power, and this power is going to help you to do what? I love this part. To do what? What does that power do? Re read your scripture. What does it say? To witness. You're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, and you're going to be fully immersed. And because of the Holy Spirit, you are going to receive power 
to witness to the ends of the world, to be witnesses for the gospel wherever you are at. The Holy Spirit brings power so you can preach the gospel. Let me say that one more time. I want that click for us, charismatics. Holy Spirit baptizes you with power to do what? Preach the gospel, to be witnesses. Everything that the Holy Spirit does points to reaching the lost. Whether you, whether you were baptized and now you have supernatural gifts or whatever it is, it, it's all for reaching people. Preaching to the ends of the world. And this word power comes up once again. We talked about last week with the terms of, of ruach and pneuma that translate to a powerful wind. But this word power right here actually translates differently. This is not ruach or, or pneuma. This word is actually dunamis. Everyone say dunamis. This is Greek again, which means an explosive power of God. That's what it means. And actually the word that we get, our word dynamite, right? Have you guys seen dynamite? Have you guys seen Dukes of Hazard? right? They got the sticks of dynamite and they light it or, or you know, some other you know, old AMC show. But they got the, 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 the stick of dynamite and they light it. And what happens? You get out of the vicinity because it's about to blow up, right? It affects everything that it's around. Dunamis power. Holy Spirit gives you power that affects everything that's around it. That's what it means. That's what that power means. The very same concept goes for the Holy Spirit. It's powerful and full of force. And this is what we're talking about today, church, that we're going to talk about this explosive power of the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit, when you are fully immersed in the Holy Spirit, not only are you baptized, but the Holy Spirit, he's going to give you power. He's going to give you power. And more specifically, there are four ways that he gives you power from what I read and from what I study. And as we talk about this, I want, I want to warn you because it's so easy just to dismiss these as small things from the Holy Spirit. Because we talk about this all the time. I preach on these concepts all the time. But this is what the Holy Spirit allows you to do far better than you would do it by yourself. This is what the Holy Spirit allows you to get to beyond yourself, to get to that level where you're like, man, if I, could, if I did that by my own strength, I wouldn't get there. This is what the Holy Spirit allows you to do. Three, uh, four ways, in my opinion, that we need the Holy Spirit's power the most. Number one is this. The Holy Spirit gives you the power to share Christ boldly. The Holy Spirit gives you power to share Christ boldly boldly. 1 Corinthians 2 verses 4 through 5. It's in your worship guide notes. It says, in my speech and my message were not implausible words of wisdom, meaning he says, I ain't smart. That's what he's saying. I don't know why I'm stopping there. I'm like, man, that kind of reminds me of how I talk. But in demonstration of the spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. What Paul is saying, he says, I'm not the best preacher here. I'm not the best preacher. But when I show up and speak, the Holy Spirit, because I am baptized with the Holy Spirit, because I'm fully immersed with the Holy Spirit, he's here with me. And because of that, he can do far greater because my faith is not in myself, but in the power of the Holy Spirit. My faith is not in myself, but in the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is really true. It's kind of even inside glimpse of, of how I prepare. This, this is what I have to do every single Sunday. You know why? Because I realize every single morning as I come to church, gearing to preach God's word, I have to rely on God's spirit because guess what? I'm not the best preacher. 
I understand that there are far better preachers all around this world. Some of them have TV shows. Some of them have multi-thousands of people in their church. And, and guess what? They can preach and preach and preach. And there's days where I feel like I can't preach out of a wet bag. But I have to humble myself and realize, do you know what? I can't rely on my own strength. I have to rely on the Holy Spirit. I have to rely on the Holy Spirit. I'm not the best preacher. I didn't go to Bible school. I have to rely on the Spirit reveal things to me as I study and preach God's Word. In fact, I rely on the Holy Spirit so much that when I write my sermons, I actually silence my phone and ignore calls, except for my wife, because we're about to have a baby. That wouldn't be good. But I, I, I do that because it's, it's, it's like, God, I need you as I type this up. God, I need to hear your voice as I'm reading your word. And as soon as a phone call comes, it feels like I'm severing the connection with God. It's like I have to start all over. I have to rely on the Holy Spirit. And maybe that's a little out there, and maybe far, maybe, but that's just how I work. That's just how, how I feel like God is talking to me. And I pray every single Sunday, no matter how much I, I stutter or use a horrible illustration or maybe say words that I shouldn't have, or I pray that the Holy Spirit uses the words that come out of my mouth and translates them to what God needs you to hear before they hit your ears. Yeah. I've heard it so many times, so many times. This happens all the time. There are some Sundays where my preaching is just horrible. And I get in the van and my wife usually asks, how did Sunday go? And I said, Sunday was horrible. Like, I, I felt horrible. Like, my preaching wasn't good. I, I get blank stares. I don't know what's going on. It's just bad. And then I get feedback like, Vaughn, that was the message I needed to hear. Yeah. What? Did you, did, were you paying attention? <laughs> did you hear me up here? No, that was a message I needed. Or there'd be times where people come up to me and say, Vaughn, that point that you made in, in your sermon, man, that spoke to me. What point? Like, I've got the points that I talk about right here. I didn't say that. No, but I heard you. I didn't say it. But I rely on God's Spirit. That's relying on God's Spirit. He, he does things that you can't do by your own strength. And for myself, I see it every time that as the words leave my mouth, I believe they hit your ears differently. Because it's the power of the Holy Spirit. For you, it may look like something else. For you, it might be that, that you do your job with more excellence than you realize. They're like, man, I, I feel like I didn't work that hard, but your, your boss was like, man, you blew it out of the water. Or maybe it's like you're a teacher here this morning, and you, had a, you have a student in your room. The parent says, do you know what? I don't know how you do it, but my, 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 my student, he just loves you. You are, you are doing things with him that I could never do. And you're like, I'm not doing anything differently than I do anywhere else. It's the Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. It happens all the time. Maybe you're here and you felt like you're underqualified, like you're not the right person, not enough education or less than to really to, to share who Jesus is. Because this is what it all comes down to, church. It comes down to sharing Christ boldly. There is no one better to rely on than the Holy Spirit. No one better to rely on than the Holy Spirit. One thing that I'm currently praying for for myself is that the Holy Spirit is that God would bring leaders and business owners of North Platte and, and our local community across my path. Like, I want to connect with the leaders of our community, but it's weird to say, hey, Mr. Mayor, uh, this is Vaughn. I'm someone. Want to go to lunch? No, right? That's what happens. But I pray that we would crisscross paths, that, that the Lord would open up, remember that card, the invitation card, that God would open those moments 
that I could take them out to lunch or I get to talk to them. And you know what I do at the end of it? And it causes me to be super uncomfortable and it really intimidates me. This is one of my biggest things that make me feel really less than is when I am going to lunch with a leader from the community and at the end of our lunch, I feel like I have to ask if I can pray for him. It intimidates me so bad. It scares me. I get uncomfortable. You're like, you're a pastor. Well, I'm not the best pastor. There you go. But it freaks me out because here's Mr. So-and-so, business owner, this and this. He's got it figured out. He's got a nice house. He has a multi-million dollar company. He owns half a North Platte, whatever, whatever, whatever. And here is little old me saying, can I pray for you? <laughs> it intimidates me. But I have to rely on the Holy Spirit. That God would use what I feel like are just such small words to have a profound impact on this person who thinks he's got it all together. You see, the Holy Spirit gives you power to share Christ boldly. And let me tell you something. My main job description is to teach you how to do that. We have this weird idea that the pastor is the one that goes out and evangelizes and shares the gospel. No, my job is to train you up so you go out and do it. But I like to lead by example. So I'm going to do it too. You see, that power is not just for me. That power is not just for Apostle Paul. That power is for you. When you go to your school, when you go to the railroad, when you go to the power plant, when you stay at home with your kids, that you have the power to share Christ boldly. That's what he does. In the last few weeks, God has been crisscrossing paths with people in the community, and every time at the end of the meeting, my heart starts pumping, and I get this voice in me here says, you better pray. You better pray for them. And we do. And guess what? Every time, the Holy Spirit gives me words to say. He gives me the words to say. And every time we establish a relationship where now that we can text and call and say, hey, do you know what? My, my business is hurting or this is happening. Hey, could you, could you just continue to pray for me? Boom. That's what happens. And it's so good. Maybe you're here and you get a prompting to share Jesus with someone or, or pray for someone that you don't even know and you think your prayers are going to sound horrible. Maybe you're saying, you know what? I am horrible at praying. It's not good. It's not eloquent. It, it, it doesn't sound pretty. It doesn't sound like so-and-so. It's, it's just not good. Rely on the Holy Spirit. Rely on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives you power to share Christ boldly. And again, do not dismiss this point, church. Because we teach this and we make it sound cute and quaint, but there's so much power when you go out and share Christ. After all, that is our job. That is the Great Commission. This is what he calls us all to do. So the Holy Spirit gives you power to share Christ boldly. Number two, the Holy Spirit gives you the power when you are weak. The Holy Spirit gives you power when you are weak. Romans 8.26 says this, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. This is actually a very great verse to memorize or like put on your mirror. So when you have those really bad days, this is, this is one of those verses. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself, God in spirit form, intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Saying this, the Holy Spirit helps us at our weakest. It helps us at our weakest. One way he does that is that he prays for us. Church, who better to pray for you than the Holy Spirit himself? 
Who better to intercede for you to say, do you know what? I know you're hurting and, and, and the pain that is just too much that you, you just groan and, and, and you don't have any words. I mean, for those of you who maybe have lost a child this morning, you know what I'm talking about. That's this, this like, I, I, I don't want to pray. I have no words. Holy Spirit says, you know, I got this. I'll pray. I'll intercede for you. That's what he does. He gives you power when you are the weakest. One of the other ways he gives you power is, I'm, let me illustrate it first. Uh, in high school, I was lifting weights. You can tell with my f- figure that I have right now. Um, you can laugh at that. <laughs> my wife laughed. Thanks, babe. It's good. It's good. Booster right there. I'm going to go start a weightlifting community group after this. Want to join me? But I was lifting weights in high school, and we would always have a day that we would just do burnout reps. For those of you who are in gym, you know what that is, right? You just keep lifting that weight until you can't do it anymore. You literally work yourself to tiredness. You can't lift anything. And so we'd have these, these burnout days where you put on some light weight on the bar, and you just bench press as much as you can or add a higher number. And so my spotter would throw some light weights on the bar, and usually the goal would be 20 reps. And I, I look at this weight, and it's way lighter than what I could max out at. And so I say, you know what? I got this. Like, I could lift this like a thousand times over. Watch this. And so I'll usually get down and eat the bar. I was pretty cocky in high school. And so I get in the bar, and my spotter says, okay, have at it. And so I'd go, first 10, knock them out. Super easy. Next five, a little struggle. A little struggle. Last five, couldn't do it. Last five, couldn't do it. But I still got to 20. You know how? Because I have this helper called the spotter. And what his job is, is when I can't do it anymore, he puts his hands underneath the bar and he keeps counting. I'm done at 15, but he puts his hand under and says 16, 17. And he's letting me think I got it. But I know it's all him. I didn't even touch the bar. He did the last five. I couldn't do it by my own strength, but because I had a helper, church, because I had a helper, I was able to do far more than I could with my own strength. The Holy Spirit gives you power when you are the weakest. Essentially, this is what the Holy Spirit, He gives you power to come out strong, where in reality, you are weak and you should have failed. He gives you power to succeed where in reality, you shouldn't have even crossed the finish line. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Another example, a random example, is that I had a, growing up, I had a huge fear of public speaking. Like, my knees would be shaking, I would stutter, and my stomach would just be in knots. And somehow, uh, in high school, I don't know how it is in high school today, but in my high school, you had to go through a public speaking class to graduate. I found out somehow to get by that. I don't know how. I don't know because maybe I was good at sports and they're like, okay, we're not going to put him through this. But somehow I got through it. I got through it because I hated public speaking so much. I remember in my junior year in high school, I had to draw a picture for like 30 seconds and stand up in front of the class and hold up what I drew and give a one minute explanation of what I drew. You know what it looked like? It looked like something like this. 
and I would stutter through my one-minute presentation, and I would begin to sweat. I sweat now just because I'm hot, not because I'm nervous. But I just begin to sweat, and I would stutter, and I would see everyone's faces, and the whole thing, like picture everyone in their underwear. That doesn't work. You don't want that illustration in your head. That's gross. Don't do that. But like, I would try every trick in the book, and I would just, I would just shake, and it, was just, it, wouldn't be, it, would, it wouldn't do well. And finally, a lot of times, my teachers would just kind of ignore me or just let me get by the fact because they felt so bad for me. That's how bad I was. It was so, so bad. And then I got into ministry where I found out I had to talk for a living in front of people. And I would talk in front, and the very first time I ever wrote and preached what God spoke to me, it was like something clicked. My stage fright was gone. And at the end of my preaching, it was a 40 minutes, but it felt like 30 seconds. It flew by. And it went by so fast. Maybe some of you are thinking like, man, maybe that should happen today, right? You're like, please fly by. No, I'm having fun with it now. But I used to stutter in my speech. Like I used to be horrible at stuttering. Ask my parents when they're here. Like I used to be horrible. Ask my wife. I would just stutter. It'd be so bad. And I still do when I talk. But when I preach for some reason, my stuttering is just almost minimal to none. And it's just gone. It would just disappear. Nothing that I could do on my own, church, but I relied on the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, what he does, he realizes where you are weak at, and he makes it one of your strengths. How cool is that? Come on. Where are you weakest at? Where are you most ashamed at? Where do you feel like you're the most inadequate or not enough or not educated enough? What is that place in your life? Allow the Holy Spirit to come in because he'll actually make it one of your strengths. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He gives you power when you are at your weakest. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12, 9 through 10. He says this. He says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Isn't that weird? We think that power would be better when we're at our best, but he says, Jesus says, no, 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 no. You need to be horrible at it. You need to be at your weakest. You need to not know enough. You need to feel inadequate because when you do, my Holy Spirit is at his best. My Holy Spirit is at his best. Let's carry on that verse. Uh, made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more glad- gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses. I'm content with my weaknesses. I'm content with insults, hardships, persecutions, and all the calamities that this world has for me. For when I am weak, what does it say, church? Anyone says it. Then I am strong. For when I am weak, I am strong. Why? Because I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit. I'm immersed in the Holy Spirit, and I rely on him fully and completely. Come on, church. Rely on the Holy Spirit. There are people sitting today where you know you are weak. It feels as though that you have been swinging the sledgehammer all day trying to make progress, but now you're drenched with sweat, and your arms are giving out, and your legs are shaking, but you keep hacking. Let me suggest something to you. Give that up to the Holy Spirit. Give that up to the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're struggling in your parenthood and you don't have the wisdom to raise your kids in this season. Ask the Holy Spirit. Ask him for wisdom. He'll do it. Maybe some of you, there are chances of promotion at work and you feel like you're not qualified. Ask the Holy Spirit to make you strong where you are weak. 
It happens all the time. That's not prosperity teaching. That's, that's truth. Read scripture. The book of Daniel that we just got done going through, do you know why he was able to go through the ranks so fast? Because of the Holy Spirit. That's why. Rely on the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've been struggling with something in secret. Ask the Holy Spirit who has power. Bring it to him and ha- let him handle it. The Holy Spirit has power. Just like we read, when we are weak, we are strong. Why? Because the Holy Spirit gives you power. He gives you power. Number three, the Holy Spirit gives you power to have hope in a hopeless world. The Holy Spirit gives you power to have hope in a hopeless world. The author of Romans writes this, and a lot of us may have heard this, but Romans 15, 13 says this, May the God of hope fill you with all the joy and peace in believing, so that the power so that the power, so that the power, every verse that we read, so that the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. And this abound, many trans, uh, translations actually say that, so that you may overflow with hope. A better word than abound, overflow. So that you overflow with hope. Well, Vaughn, uh, I'm in a hopeless situation, uh, to which I would reply is, who's your hope in? Vaughn, I'm just in a really hopeless situation. Like, I can't, I would ask you, where's your hope at right now? Who are you putting your hope in? Who, who, or what? Who or what are you putting your hope? If your hope is in your job, there's a problem because your job, your job's limited. If your hope is in your abilities, that's another problem because your abilities, they're limited. If your hope is in other people, if your hope is in your spouse or your kids, that's a problem because guess what? Even your spouse and your kids are limited. If you're not overflowing with hope, I might diagnose it as it may be that your hope is set in something or someone that is limited. Today, I would urge you, whatever you're struggling with this morning, I would urge you to put your hope in the Holy Spirit and nothing else. Your hope alone is in the Holy Spirit, nothing else. To find fulfillment, maybe I should say it this way, to find fulfillment, put it in Jesus. People who are married, like my wife and I, we have discussions about this and we make sure we get this right. I don't find my fulfillment from my wife. My wife doesn't find her fulfillment in me. We do not fulfill each other. I wasn't missing a piece and she fulfills me. That's not how it works. My fulfillment is straight from Jesus. Amen. That if God forbid something would happen, if I died and she had, was alone, she would be okay in her walk with Jesus. Because that's who she is fulfilled by. Does that make sense? I know that's such a radical way to put it in today's age. But same with your job. Don't find fulfillment in your job. Same with your kids. Don't find your fulfillment in your kids. Same way in anything else you do in this life. Do not. And you know why? Because this is temporary. Amen. It's limited. Amen. But the Holy Spirit, he's not. Right. He's unlimited. And he's the best. Find your fulfillment in Jesus. And then I would dare say that when you do that and you fully rely on him, you will have hope in a hopeless world. It may not be so a lot of hope, but it might, you might see that little glimmer. And that little glimmer starts to turn into a light and it's suddenly just blinding you. It's just, put your hope in Jesus. Number four, the Holy Spirit gives you power to experience all the fullness of God. And I want to wrap this up, Ephesians three sixteen through 19. 
that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. We may have heard of that charismatics Pentecostals in the room. We heard that kind of our, our inner man, our inner being. This is what he's talking about. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, that means the width, the length, the height, the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge, that you may be filled with what? The fullness of God. Here's what I see today. So many people have reduced Christianity to the smallest denominator as possible. A little math lesson, remember the fractions, like let's try, get, try to you know, reduce it to the smallest denominator so it's easier to handle. We've done that with Christianity. What is the least that I have to work with in my walk with God? What is the smallest thing that I have to do in my walk with God? They say they're a Christian because they did the prayer. Maybe they got baptized, attended church once a month, maybe put a $20 in the offering plate, and maybe crack open the Bible when they need to. But if they can do that, they're a Christian. And all those, those aren't bad things. Those are good things. But for some reason, it feels like they're still swinging that sledgehammer for their entire life. But when they look up, they didn't get anywhere. I would argue this, that having a relationship with God is much more than just saying that prayer. It's much more than getting baptized. It's much more than putting stuff in the offering basket. It's much more than doing a devotional here and there. Those are all good things, but guess what? My Jesus is way bigger than that. He's not that small that I can reduce him just to those simple things in this life. He's so massive that, that it encompasses so much. And that if that is all what Jesus had to offer was just those little things, it wouldn't be a great relationship. But Scripture says that we can't even measure how long or deep the fullness of God. But Paul writes that however big that is, however big God is, whatever that dimensions are, if there is a dimension that can measure God, Whatever that is, may you be filled with the measure of that with his spirit. However big that God is, may you be filled as much as that. Come on, church. So many times we just we have that sledgehammer and we just we just keep working. Keep working. And that's, it feels fine when we think we got it all together. I'm out on the mountaintop and I'm just working away and it feels like I'm doing this by my own strength. But guess what? It becomes real when you get off that mountaintop and you are in the lowest of the valleys and it's dark and shadows and depressing, full of stress, anxiety, and worry. And you realize that I don't want to sling the sledgehammer anymore. I can't do this. I'm tired. I'm sweating. I got blisters on my hands. My knees are shaking. I can't do this by my own strength. Rely on the Holy Spirit. Because He gives you power. 
And what I love about this is when you realize that, church, catch this, when you realize that, that when you have that power in the Holy Spirit, your highs, they're even better. Like, oh my goodness, I'm soaring above the clouds right now. But when you get in the lowest of the lows, you look at it and say, you know what? My God's got this. It's good. Oh, it hurts. Yeah, don't. I'm not going to lie about you. You're still going to get hurt, get bumps and bruises and cuts. Yeah, it's, it's going to be horrible, but not as bad. If you can go through that hard time, not as bad, wouldn't you do it? Would, if, you, if you knew that you could bust that concrete out that you've been hacking at your entire life without a sledgehammer and with a bulldozer, wouldn't you do it? You bet. The Holy Spirit has power available to you, and He wants to give it to you. He gives you the power to share Christ boldly when you are scared, no matter where you're at or what job profession. He gives you power to share His gospel boldly. He gives you strength in your weakest areas. He gives you hope when there is no hope around. And He wants you, I love this part, He wants you to have all that God has to offer. Do not put God in a box and say, this is all he is. God is so much more than that. People, allow the Holy Spirit in your life. Allow him to bring this this dunamis power, dynamite power, this miraculous and explosive power. Allow that in your life. And I would tell you, you, you wouldn't want a relationship with Jesus any other way. Allow that in your life. Stop making the Holy Spirit, stop making Jesus like a checklist and say, that's all it is. Don't leave this place saying, you know what? Sunday's done. Go back to my life. Go through this life with his power. He wants you to have that and all the fullness and glory thereof. Let's pray.